Hey, I just wanted to say, just as someone who, um, I've got this really bad cough tonight, so I wasn't able to sing without coughing, so I had to watch and worship without talking or singing, and it was kind of a bummer for me tonight, but one thing I was really encouraged was is I felt upheld by you guys, and I want to thank you for going more public with your worship and for going more vulnerable in that, and for you to raise your hands, for you to express your heart to the Lord. Uh, I really felt that it wasn't just me. And a lot of times we think worship is just about me and God. And really, when we do this, it's about us and God. And so thank you for doing that. Thank you for being open and worshiping tonight. We're going to be talking about a topic that um, is going to get a lot of pushback in our world, and I know that a lot of people come loaded already just to the topic whenever you think about this, these two words together, sexual integrity. And I've done this talk multiple times, and I've had multiple conversations about this, and this talk specifically was given to our congregation several years ago, but at the same time, I've used it as I've talked to college students, as I've talked to singles, and called them all into what does God's word say about our sexuality, and I think that's really important, and there's no better time that I want you guys having conversations about this than right now. And so I'm going to treat you like your future college students, and I'm going to speak at a little bit higher level because I think you can handle it. Even if you're in seventh grade, I think you can handle this. I'm going to ask you just to think and clear away your distractions. It would really be a bummer to hear a phone go off or something like that right now. So clear away the distractions because this is an important conversation I want to have. But this is not the only conversation I want you to have about it. We're going to dismiss and you're going to go into your small group. You're going to talk to your small group leader and talk to each other about this. But even after that, the story's not over. You are an ongoing story that God is writing And as our whole church is going through right now, we're trusting God to write his story in our lives. And so uh, why do we want to talk about this? And I think that's important. So I just want to kind of identify why we want to do it and kind of go around these. These are some of the words that come up when we think about uh, people talking about sexuality or your view of your own sexuality and what that is. Let's talk, uh, let's go to that first one on the left there, confusion. A lot of us are just confused. We kind of look at it and go, whoa, I'm not ready for this. And we look around at what's happening in the halls of our high schools or middle schools and we're like, whoa, did you hear about so-and-so? They did this on this weekend because in high school or middle school, whatever you do in private... (laughs) Welcome, everyone knows about it. As much as you want to keep that. And that's why if you're going to be active sexually at this age, everyone's going to know about it. That might be a good thing. It might be a good thing that everyone's going to know about it. It might keep you a little bit, but ultimately that's not going to keep you. And I'll talk to you what will keep you from, from, from walking away from God's plan for this. Confusion. What do you believe about this? Most, most of us don't have a clue on how to have a conversation about sex. We don't even know how we view it ourselves. So we watch it, we see it. Some of us are trapped in porn. Shame is another word. A lot of us have made mistakes in this area. We've given so much of ourselves to someone else and we have a lot of shame when it comes to this. Some of us are trapped in porn and as much as we try, we can't escape it. It becomes a thing that just eats away at your soul. Some of us have attraction um, I remember talking to one um, seventh grade girl one time, and she was, oh, I just, I'm just so boy crazy. Okay. 
chill. And, and you know what? We can be that. And we can think, that's, you know, what does she think? And, and think about how your heart rate goes up when you find out, he likes you. Whoa, who, who likes me? Whoever does, you know. And we're, it's flattering. Why does that get our hearts going? We need to talk about that. Others of us have guilt. We've gone way too far. And we feel, we feel not only the shame, but the guilt of stepping over a line. Some of us are trapped in this area and we don't know what to do. We aren't talking to our parents about it. We're, it's our greatest secret. Some of us are broken by this. Some of you have been abused sexually at a young age. You've never told anyone about it. And you're carrying that almost every day. It affects how you view yourself. And it hurts, and you're, you're broken in that area. Others of us are just deceived. We, we're buying what the world is giving us, and we're just, we don't really want to care what the Bible says or what God's heart is for us on this area. And so when we approach this topic, I just want to you know, kind of begin here by saying some of you don't agree with this, and you're not going to agree with this. And I'm just glad you're here, because I, I think it's important that you're here and that you engage this conversation. And because I said this doesn't mean I don't want to talk to you. If you have any issues, you want to talk this through. Others of us are going to kind of look at it and go, okay, I like it when you talk about it, but I don't want to talk about it. And I want to talk about it in a way that you can talk about it. So when you get into your small groups tonight, you can talk. And other, others of us are just right, we're open and we're ready for what God would say. So as we go to God's word, and I just run through this outline with you, I just want to pray for you. Would you do that? Because that's why I'm here. I'm here because I love you. I really do. As I've been involved um, with Nathan's friends in, in the, the middle school and then now the high school group, Um, I've fallen in love with you guys. You are a great group of students, and it's an honor to be with you. And I, this is one of the areas where I get to have fun. I mean, being a pastor in this church isn't always fun, but I get to have fun. I get to see what God is doing in your lives, and I see you respond to what God is doing in this group and in our world, and it excites me that we could talk about it today. So let me just pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for every one of your children right in this place. Thank you that you love us, that you give us infinite worth. You give us dignity. You start with dignity. And Lord, this is an area where we're just messed up. The world is messed up, and we need your help because it's not working. Life on our own terms, doing this any way we want to, is reaping destruction all around us. And we want a different way. We want a better way. So teach us, guide us, show us that you love us, give us the truth, even though it might hurt, and lead us in the way you want us to follow. And Lord, give us the heart to follow. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> Take a look at your outline there. We're going to fill it out. And uh, as we're going through it, I want you to write the passages down that I have there. For some reason, I didn't put them in your outline. I don't know why I didn't do that. But let's talk real quickly about sex. Number one, whose idea is it? Well, sex is God's idea. It's God's idea. It wasn't us who invented sex. It was God. And in the first book of the first Bible, in the first chapter, we see sex as a beautiful gift from God. It's not something that, you know, when we were, you know, created in this world, we came up with. We didn't figure this thing out. 
God created for us. And in Genesis 1, verse 27, it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And so this is a unique creation by God. Everyone here is made in the image of God. You were made for a relationship with God. And God said to them, once he created them, male and female, Adam and Eve, he said, be fruitful, multiply. And then God brought Eve to Adam. And he said to Adam, here she is. And Adam went, whoa, man. That's what he called her. Sorry. Okay. No, he said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken from man. And he just went, it was like one of those perfect unions made by God, man and woman inside of marriage. And then Moses, as he was writing this down, said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So marriage and sex were God's idea. And God has designed that as a gift from him. And it's not the only gift, and it's certainly not the best gift from God, but it's a gift from God. It's a beautiful gift from God, and it has boundaries and blessings. And there, we just, uh, just went through that. In Genesis 2, 24 and 25, it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. That word hold fast is like glue. Glue that's so strong that if you were to try to tear the things apart that are put together, one of them would tear. The glue wouldn't, the bond wouldn't give up. So it's a strong bond. And they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked. You can't even say that word anymore without blushing, right? Naked and not ashamed. And so here, Adam and Eve were just looking at each other. He had no clothes on. And they were like, hey, hey, I love you. Love you too. And they celebrated their marriage by having sex. And it was good. And then sin came into the world. And the first thing that happened when they chose to walk away from God, when they chose to walk away from God, the first thing they noticed was, I'm naked. And they covered themselves with fig leaves. And they made loincloths for themselves because they noticed the differences. And rather than the differences being something that attracted to them, the differences became something they covered. And shame and guilt came into the world. Folks, the way the world is is not what the world once was. And when God created things, he created as a beautiful gift. And he still gives us that gift but with boundaries and blessings. Let's talk about the boundaries. God calls us to celebrate that once we're in a committed relationship called marriage. Here's why. Here's the plan. God says, I have someone for you, and that person will love you for the rest of your life. That person will see you on your best day and your worst day and will choose to love you anyway. That's marriage. I remember when I got married, I thought marriage was going to be the easiest thing in the world because it's so easy to love my wife when we were dating. And then we got married, and it was the hardest year of our lives. I wanted to go hang out with my buddies. She wanted 15 minutes of quiet time when she came in after work. I'm like, hey, how's it going? She's like, I don't want to talk right now. 
And I'm thinking like, who in the world did I just marry? And then I started realizing how selfish I was. Because as I kept reading the Bible, I realized that God's love is ultimately not what you can get from someone else, but rather it's the giving up of yourself for them. So if I was going to love my wife and marriage was going to work, I had to give up what I wanted to do so that I could give myself to her. And that's how God grew me in love. But there's a boundary there because I had to leave all other relationships to be married. And there's a reason for that because God doesn't want your body to be cheapened from the dignity that he created it by being shared with everyone or anyone. And so it's in that bound of commitment and of knowing and of understanding that person that God says, now that you've committed for the rest of your life, now have sex. It's kind of that boundary is really important. And we don't like boundaries. We don't like people telling us what to do. But a boundary is really important. Here's why. Because it protects you. So I just bought a house, um, and it has a fireplace, a really cool fireplace in the den. And I love to have a fireplace, fire going. And I'll put out, you know, it's a gas fireplace, so I'll turn it on in the morning. My wife will come down, we'll do our devotions together. And that beautiful fireplace is just warming the room. And she goes, this is so awesome. It's so romantic in here. And yet we can, have, we can meet with God and, and study his word and pray and But if I were to take that fire and take it out of the fireplace and put it in the center of the room at the den, burn the house down, right? So inside the fireplace, that's awesome, right? In the center of the room, that's out of control. It'll burn the house down. Sex is like that. Sex is like that inside of marriage that God has called that. That's when it's beautiful. It gives warmth and beauty to a relationship. But when it's outside of that and it's wherever you want to do it with whoever you want to do it, it'll burn your life down. It'll cheapen you. You will feel cheap. It's the number one thing I hear from girls who are sexually promiscuous. I feel cheap. I feel worthless. Yeah, it's because you've treated your body in a way that's just open with everyone. It's not special to anyone. And you can feel that way. But inside, it gives, it gives blessing. One more thing on boundaries. I think it's important with boundaries. Um, fences. You may think, well, I have a house and we really don't need that fence out back. But I have a friend who lives in Kenya and they have lions. <laughs> and... They literally have to have like a 10-foot fence that they build with thorn bushes all around their homes in in this village they live in. Because if not, the lions will come in and eat them. Fences are important, right? They are. Fences protect. And God's boundaries protect us. So don't just be down that God says no in some areas. Anything that's of worth, anything that's of value, anything that's special, anything that's a gift, you have to say no to some things so you can say yes to better things. God calls us into that. But sex is also profoundly broken by the fall. Sex is broken by the fall. What, the way God has created it is not the way that a lot of people hold it today. And that's why we have so much brokenness in this area. 
And I would just say this. We all have to come to terms. We're all broken sexually. All of us. All of us. You don't have to be sexually abused to be broken. You can be broken in the area of seeing an attractive girl. Instead of looking at her eye, you look at her butt. Why? Because that's where my eyes go. They always go there. I'm a butt guy. Nope. That's broken. That's broken. Why? Because I know I'm blushing some of you, but this is how it is. It, we objectify people sexually and treat them like objects for our entertainment rather than people created in the image of God. And it treats a woman or it treats a man when you do that like a piece of meat, not as someone created in the image of God. And so we as followers of Jesus are here on earth to restore dignity to people. Even people who don't believe like you or even people who disagree with this teaching tonight. I give them value. I treat them with worth. I love them. Even though I profoundly can disagree with them. We're all profoundly broken by the fall. And therefore, we want to get sex before we want to commit to people because we want our desires met more than we want to give up ourselves to love someone else. We're broken by this. And therefore, we all must come to Jesus and ask him to redeem us. This is something in all of our lives that Jesus has to heal us. It's not going to be something you just go, stop doing it if you're looking at porn. Just stop it. I'll never do it again. You know how many times guys have said that and even girls have said that and fallen right back into those patterns? Shame and guilt. It has to be something you bring to Jesus and ask him to change your heart so that you love him more than you would love to lust after someone else. That you would be willing to follow him more than follow your boyfriend or girlfriend who wants to have sex or cross the line with you. It must be redeemed by Christ. That's why Paul says this is an everyday thing. He says, do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. And by members, we're talking about everything of us, everything, our minds, our bodies, our actions, our words, our processing, what we're looking at, we present all of that to God. We let him lead. And that's why a follower of Jesus, what, this isn't getting any more complicated, they follow Jesus, right? And so when you follow Jesus, you give up your right to live however you want to live. I gave up my right to live however I wanted to live a long time ago. And Jesus has been teaching me how to love and how to live. And so here's what it comes down to when we think through this. If it's a beautiful gift from God with boundaries and blessings, it's profoundly broken by the fall and must be redeemed by Christ, then here's who we are. Number one, God has, um, God has called us to follow Christ. We're Christ followers. And sex can be beautiful again by following Jesus. Look what Paul says to the church in Thessalonica. He says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. And so we're called to follow Christ in this area. And this is nothing different than any other area in our lives. 
So I get a lot of pushback from people who go, boy, you, you preach against, you know, premarital sex, and you preach against um, homosexual um, relationships, and you preach against, and I, are you against people? No, I love people, but I call everyone to follow Christ, and I call my own life to follow Christ. Sex is one area that people get nervous about, but I call people to follow Jesus with their money all the time because money's another God, just like sex. I call people to follow Jesus with their anger, just not be angry, right? And to be more forgiving and to love people like Jesus and accept people like Jesus does. This is everything we do. One thing that some may not like can get a lot of people, you know, ruffled in feathers, but this is everything, all of our lives, all the time. Are following Jesus. And so it comes down to your identity. Which identity do you want to pursue with your life? Because the common wisdom of this world, which isn't wisdom, it's actually foolishness, says that you are first and foremost a sexual being. And you need to get in touch with your sexuality and you need to pursue it. That's who you are. That's how God made you. And God says, no, I first of all made you for myself. You are a spiritual being. And so when you think about your, your sexual integrity, your identity has to be spiritual. It's your relationship with God. You were made for a relationship with God. Some of you will get married and have the gift of sex. Some of you may not get married. And if you were only sexual, my goodness, you would be walking against the Lord all the time. Because you wouldn't be able to, you know, express that and experience that. But God holds you far more valuable than anyone else here on earth does. You're far more priceless and have great more dignity. You don't have to be married and practicing sex before you're worth something. You're worth infinite value. And I celebrate every single here at Fellowship Bible Church who follows Jesus and has sexual integrity in their lives. And they have dignity because it's driven by God. Their lives clarify the word of God. And instead of um, rejecting the gift that God has given, they're restoring the gift and they're glorifying the giver of that gift. On the other hand, sexual immorality views your identity as more sexual. And it's desires within you that tend to drive you. And instead of clarifying the word of God, it defies the word of God. It rejects it and it destroys the gift and it denies the giver. And so how? What are our steps? Let me leave you with a few. Number one, how do you live with sexual integrity in this age? Number one, we've got to flee sexual immorality. Why? Because God's word calls us to do that. In 1 Corinthians 6, 18, it says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside of his body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. There's something about sex that imprints your mind. And therefore, it should be a memory that you create and foster with that one person you marry, not multiple And anything that's against that, folks, we need to flee. We just need to have the courage to flee. Like 
There's other areas in my life that sometimes can get out of control. Like when I look at Amazon and I just see today's deals and I want to buy something, the next gadget, and I just want to go buy it now. You know, I just punch at it and it's automatically delivered to my home. And it's like, wow, this is so cool. Oh, there's another thing. I like that. Blink. You know, there's times I have to flee my computer so I don't buy more stupid junk. Yeah, we have to do that. Why? For my checkbook's sake. Yeah, so there's things that when we run away from or we, smarter people than us have fallen in these areas if we delay, if we don't flee. Fleeing is important. Secondly, we need to accept our God-given identity. Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6. He says, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but the body is meant for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Everything I have is God's. My body my life, my future, it's for the Lord. Your life is not your own. Paul would say this, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Receive God's redemption for your body. Receive him in your life, to lead you in this area. There is nothing right now that is reaping so much damage in our culture than people living however they want to sexually. And our culture says, man, we can live however we want to, but what you've seen is some people can live however they want to, but they hurt a lot of, others, a lot of other people. And all these guys who are being outed right now in the news, all those stories from politicians to Hollywood, all those stories are people living however they want to live. And they don't care how anyone else thinks. And even our world, without the guidance of God's word, is standing up now and saying, that's not right. Even these women who have been abused and hurt and exploited because of one man's desire. They're standing up now and saying, enough, this is enough, stop this. So we're being confronted as a culture. Unfortunately, it's not with the word of God, but it's ultimately, this is something that gives us life if we choose to follow. Receive God's redemption and then live for God's glory. Verse 20, it says, you were bought with a price. What was that price? The precious blood of Jesus, as 1 Peter says. Jesus loved you so much. He saw so much worth that for his glory and your good, he came and he lived a perfect life for you. And he died on a cross and he rose from the dead. And he calls us, those if we're going to follow him, to glorify God with our bodies. Not, not to just throw our bodies around or market our bodies to others to see who, you know, the biggest bidder is. <laughs> we're, we're not called to do that. We're called to be brothers and sisters in Christ and to glorify God with our bodies. So I just have a few minutes. I just have a few minutes and then I'm, I'm done. But I want to just share with you some questions and conclusions that I've heard over the years. These are the top ones that I've heard and I want to give you a few answers to them because I know you might be wondering what are the ramifications of what I just taught. Here's the first conclusion. I've had a lot of people tell me, who is God to tell me who to love or how to love? And that basically is an attitude that says, I don't care, right? I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care about the direction of God. And people live like that all the time. But I will tell you, God is the one who created you. 
He's the one who crafted you. He's the one who thought of you before the creation of the world. This God has a long history of loving people. And he has a long history of seeing people ruin their lives by sexual sins. And he has a long history of redeeming people who have been broken and wounded and abused by this. So that's who the God is who's calling us to this. And God always calls us into something. He calls us away from some things to call us into other things that are so much better for us. Secondly, but God didn't make, didn't God make me this way? And the answer is, well, not exactly. God crafted you and he's certainly created you, but sin affects us all and we're all broken in this world. And so I'm a heterosexual man and I love my wife, but I'll be honest, there have been times when I have looked inappropriately at another woman and I've lusted. What do you do then? I could say, well, God made me this way. Well, (laughs) he made you a man, but you're going down the route of abusing what God has done and created and given you. And so just because God made us this way, he didn't make us to go and walk away from him. He didn't make us to go and desire whatever we want, pursue those desires. And so there may be issues from a heterosexual or homosexual perspective. You may like people of your same gender, same-sex attraction. Did God make you that way? Well, I tend to believe that that's a desire that needs to be guided in life. That same-sex attraction isn't sin, but acting out on it is. In the same way that other sex attraction isn't sin, but acting out on it is. And so we all have to come to Christ in this area. We all have to allow him to lead us, including him to lead our desires. My boyfriend is pressuring me physically. What should I do? Answer, flee the boyfriend. Get out. Seriously. Just, I mean, no guy should ever put you under any type of pressure in this area. And if he can't practice self-control before marriage, chances are he won't practice self-control after marriage. And so no one should be pressured to do anything here. And by the way, I've heard a lot of excuses for a whole bunch of crazy boyfriends and girlfriends. Oh, he doesn't know Jesus. Oh, he's going his own way, but he's a really nice person. Well, anyone can be nice if they want something from you. So we need to be people. We need to be men and women who stand up in the face of sexual temptation and say, no, that's not God's best for me. Is porn wrong? Answer, yes. Here's why. Porn objectifies men and women as just almost like animals. And porn makes, actually deteriorates how you view another person. And what God has given us to be a special gift with boundaries and blessings, porn totally desecrates. And I would just say it's addictive. It's addictive, not just starting out at one level. It moves to multiple deeper levels. And I would just say there's a lot of people to help if you're caught in porn. 
And I would just say this. I'm not going to ask for a, you know, everyone to raise their hands. But this is the major issue inside and outside of our church. And unfortunately, I wish you could t- I could say that Christians aren't struggling with this, but Christians are struggling with this because this side of the gospel in our lives, we think, we think, is this really God's best for me or can I go out on my own? And porn is that battle. And so I would get some help if you have that. I, one of the things um, with each of my boys, we had filtering stuff on in the house, but we also had... I mean, we had openness and honesty in, in discussions. I talked to someone who can help you in this. Talk to your small group leader. Okay, last question, and we'll move. I've been abused sexually, and I've never told anyone. What should I do? Well, um, you need to talk. You need to talk. Because when someone's sexually abused, they, they aren't the same person, and you need someone to help guide you out of that. And this is something that if you've been treated as a sexual object by someone, it affects the way you view yourself. And it kind of clouds out the picture that I just shared of how God created you in his image to reflect him. And you don't feel that. You don't want to reflect that. And here's the thing. We've talked to, there's literally hundreds of women at Fellowship Bible Church who've been abused Most of it happened in their childhood. And they never told anyone. And some of them got threatened. If you tell them, I'm going to go away forever and all that kind of stuff. And we need to talk. And here's what I'll guarantee. If you tell your small group leader, they're going to take that next step with you. And they're going to love you. And they're going to help you get some help. But this this is something that the secret sin in our lives or the secret Abuse in our lives or the secret can ruin what God wants to do for us. And so we want to get healing for this, right? No matter where we're at on this topic, we come to Jesus and we seek his healing. Okay, Um, my time is up, but the conversation isn't. And so we're going to go into our small group and you're going to have a few questions there. And I want you to talk through some of the things. Maybe one thing you learned here tonight. One thing that challenged you, and I want you to talk about that, because we're not afraid to talk about this issue that is killing our society. It's killing our high school students, our college students, and we want to give a help and a hand outside of this trapment of sexual immorality and into sexual integrity. So let's pray, and then you can uh, divide up in your groups. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. It seemed like it went by too fast. But Lord, thank you for this one discussion. I pray it will lead to many more where we can have an open discussion about your plan for us and your redemption of us sexually. We trust you. Holy Spirit, move in our small groups, move in our lives, and uh, lead us to where you want us to go. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.